You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Good morning. What an awesome day. There's something like falling out of the sky out there this morning. It's like, what is that? It's been so long since it's rained. We decided anyone who came in complaining about the rain today, we were going to send you straight to the altar. So I hadn't heard any complaints. So great to have you connecting in worship with us this morning. You can take your Bibles. Look with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. If you have your sermon notes, you can pull those out. This morning we're continuing this series, The Art of Neighboring, as we're talking about taking um, this simple principle that Jesus gave us, his command to love our neighbors, and practically living it out. As I said last week, we have this tendency to reach out to the troubled neighborhood across the city, or maybe reach out to people in crisis in other nations, which we should do. I'm not against that. I'm not opposed to that. However, in the process of that, oftentimes we miss those closest to us. We miss those who are like right right in our neighborhood. We miss the opportunity to live out love. So in this series, we're talking about how we can simply be good neighbors. What it looks like to, to kind of flesh that out. Follow the words of Jesus. How many of you know, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then it means what? That we do what he did and we do what he said. Right? Are you with me? For a follower of Jesus, if we're doing what he did... And we're living what he said. You cannot, listen, hear me friends, you cannot say I'm a follower of Jesus and go your own way and do your own thing. we got a problem, right? There's a disconnect. To say I'm a follower of Jesus, again, we're living out his commands. And the simplest and the most basic of his commands was to love God and love our neighbor. Remember, Jesus said the whole of the law is summed up in two commands, two directives. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we're talking about in this series. And, and this morning I want to share a video with you of, uh, of one woman who frustrated with technology. I mean, you know, technology can be great, but it can get in the way. Frustrated with technology um, and living in an apartment complex, she decided to do something that was a bit out of the box, kind of like to take the initiative uh, to engage her neighbors. Pretty neat story. I want you to watch this video.
what might happen when we're willing to engage our neighbor next door? Who knows what might happen when we're willing to take that first step, when we're willing to get outside of the box? Again, here it is, folks, really simple. To take the words of Jesus about loving our neighbors ourselves and putting it to work. I mentioned this last week, but for those who were not here, this in this series, exciting about this series is there's actually right at 100 other churches throughout the Lake Norman, greater Charlotte area who are doing this same series. So that means there's about 60,000 people in the greater Charlotte area who are being challenged to the same message, which again, man, love your neighbor as yourself. And who knows, who knows what might happen throughout our community again as we love as Jesus loved, and as we live that out in the neighborhood. So this morning, I, I want us to take just a minute, and I want us to pray for the churches throughout our community. How many of you know that we are part of the body of Christ, and we're not in competition with the church next door, right? We're actually partnering with the church next door. You know, oftentimes people ask me, well, Pastor, what do you think about elevation across the interstate? And I said, well, God bless them. I think they're doing an awesome work. What about Lake Forest down the road? My, my pastor friend, Mike Moses, man, they're doing a killer job reaching our community for Christ. I, I don't feel threatened by those individuals or those churches. Why? Because we're partnering together to impact our community with the love of Jesus. Amen? So what I would like for us to do is take just a moment and let's pray for the churches throughout our community. Can we do that this morning? Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you today. For your love for us. I thank you for what you're doing in our community. God, I thank you for Lord, the churches throughout our community. Lord, we have different titles and, and we affiliate ourselves with different denominations. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Catholic. But Lord, the reality is, is we're all a part of one big family. The family of God. We came through the same way. The way of Christ. And so Lord, wherever the church is gathering today. Wherever the name of Jesus is proclaimed. And your word taught. God, we ask there that you would bless. Lord, may every church, may every church be effective in bringing honor to you in living out the mission of Christ. Living out, Lord, love, Lord, in our city. How we bless your church today throughout our community. Together we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for join, joining me in that. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to do just a quick review from last week. If you were here, I know some of you were not here, um, but from last week we talked about three points of action. Three points of action. We want to be not just hearers of the word, we want to be what? We want to be doers of the word, right? We want to take God's word. We want to flesh it out, live it out in our lives. The three points of action we talked about last week. The first was this. As we were on our way out, I said, introduce yourself to one new neighbor, one new person this coming week. So how many of you, how many of you met someone new this week? Awesome. That is great. Any, any stories to share? Kurt, really loud. 
Interesting. A neighbor that he had driven by hundreds of times, but took the initiative to engage in conversation and found out they had a lot of things in common. It's amazing well, what happens when we take that first step. The same thing we, we talked about last week in your worship guide, there was a block map, really simple, kind of like here you are in the center. Who are your neighbors around you? Any of you take the time to kind of fill that out, to identify who you know, who you don't know, who you need to get to know? Um, anyone? Yeah, a few. That means a lot of you have some work to do. Get your rear in gear. Listen, it's a great tool really just to help you know who's around me. Who do I need to get to know? Who do I need to reach out to? And beyond that, we talked last week. It's a great, it's a great uh, point of information to have so you can be praying for your neighbor. The third thing we said is find one opportunity, one opportunity to serve a neighbor. How many of you served a neighbor this week? Awesome. That is great. Anyone want to share the story about that, Carmen? Yeah, well, my neighbor across the street had a, a brother who was in, uh, in ICU. She was traveling down to Florida, so I was watching her house for her, taking care of her cat, feeding the cat, taking her a mail, and just trying to be neighborly, that's all. You're a good neighbor if you're taking care of the cat. Especially <laughs> not a real cat fan. <laughs> yeah, really simple. I know my, in our little neighborhood, um, we have an elderly man, his name's Bob. Bob's wife passed away two weeks ago, and my wife made some soup and just took him some soup just so he would know somebody knows and somebody cares. And not, it's not difficult, not hard, just taking the initiative to engage, to take the step to, again, to express the love of Christ. You know, Jesus summarized what the greatest value is with two phrases. We looked at this last week. To love God and to love your neighbor. And what I know is if we're not careful, we can take the most important teachings of Jesus and we, we can like turn it into a catchy phrase uh, instead of living it out. Again, to be a follower of Jesus means what? That, that we're doing what, what he said. We're doing what he did. So as, as we live out the love of those closest to us, this is what happens. They get to experience Jesus through your life, through my life. You know, there's a lot of folks in our community who will never come to this church. Matter of fact, they may never go to any church. But they can experience Jesus through your life as you're simply living out love. We're in the neighborhood. So as we're expressing the love of Christ, the Apostle Paul challenges us with these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. It's on the screen. So would you read this with me this morning? Let's read this together. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Love must be sincere. Interesting, the message paraphrase reads like this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Your love must be, notice it's a directive, must be sincere. And this word sincere is an interesting word. It literally means, back in the biblical days, it literally means without wax, without wax. So going back to biblical days, oftentimes there would be pottery that would be made that had flaws in it, cracks in it. And individuals who uh, were not integrous would take wax and they would fill the cracks 
color it over and present it as quality workmanship when it was really not. It was what? It was flawed. It was not sincere. For the craftsmen who were good at their trade, who had quality product, they would hang a sign out that said sincere pottery or pottery without flaws. And so Paul says here that our love must be sincere without flaw. In other words, don't, don't fake it. He goes on, he goes on to challenge us in this verse. Notice to hate what is evil and to cling what is good. So as we're thinking of our neighbors, what we're looking for good. And we're looking for the good that we can do. We're hating what's evil. We're clinging to what's good. And then he says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. This word devoted means to be committed to. To tenaciously live out. To be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And then he says, then he says in the last part of the verse, he directs us to honor one another above ourselves. In other words... We're not to live just for ourselves, we're to live for others. So we're looking for the opportunity to add value to others. We're honoring others. Where? In the neighborhood. We're honoring others above ourselves. Interesting that Paul is basically reminding us here of the very thing that Jesus said. When he called us to love, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now this is not this is not new information for anyone here this morning. I would be surprised if there's anyone here who would say, "Oh, my goodness, pastor, I'm so shocked. I didn't know I was supposed to love my neighbor." Fact, let me just ask the question really quick. How many of you would say before you came here this morning that you knew that you were supposed to love your neighbor? So not new information, right? So this is not new information. So why are we not doing it? What's the challenge? What's the obstacle that keeps us from living out, again, the simplest of commands, to love our neighbor as ourselves? As I was thinking about just that question, we know it's not that we don't know. Oftentimes the challenge is what? We don't move. So why are we not moving? Why are we not, why are we not taking action in the neighborhood? And as I reflected on that, I uh, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I, I really came down to what I believe are the two major obstacles that keep us from taking the simple words of Jesus and living them out on a consistent basis. Here's the two obstacles. I'm going to take just a couple of minutes this morning to talk about these. First is what I call the time barrier, and the second is what I call the fear factor. So what keeps us from loving our neighbor as ourselves? First is the issue of time. Hem- how many of you, like me, live your life at a frantic pace, and it's like you always wish you had more time? I've often tried to figure out, how can I get 26 hours out of a 24-hour day? Because my to-do list, it seems like there's, it's always going. There's, there's all the things that I have to do. There's the things that I need to do, and then there's the things that I want to do. And it's like there's always this challenge of time. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think we live in a culture today that uh, that leads us to pack our schedules so full and to be so pressed by time that oftentimes we don't see the neighbor need. Oftentimes we feel like we can't take the time to live out, again, this command that Jesus has given us. Interesting, today we have more time-saving devices at our disposal than any generation in the history of the world, yet we have less, yet we feel like we have less time. So this issue of time, it can keep us 
from living out this, this command. John Ortberg, in one of his books, made this statement. I have it there in your notes. He says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is one thing that hurried people doesn't have. We, we, we don't have time. Oftentimes we don't reach out to a neighbor because like, well, I have all of these responsibilities. I have all these things on my to-do list. I already have like this circle of relationships. I don't think I have time for one more. Because of that, again, then we, we don't move. We don't reach out because of the issue of time. And I believe we've come to believe three lies that... Um, I create a challenge in our lives. Three lies concerning this issue of time. The, the first lie is this. Well, things, things will settle down someday. You ever tell yourself that things are going to settle down someday? Listen, here's the reality. Things are not going to settle down in your life until you die or until you adjust your schedule. We say things like, well, you know, if I can just get past Wednesday and then it's going to get better. And we get past Wednesday and Thursday's even worse. And things are not going to settle down someday. This culture, this world that we live in. Here's a second lie that often challenges us when it comes to this issue of time. We believe this lie that, that more will be enough. So we're chasing after more, more stuff, more achievement, more, thinking one of these days I'm going to get more and then I'll be content. Then I'll have time. Listen, and if you're, if you're chasing after more, you'll never get to contentment. You'll always be chasing. So then things take a greater value in our lives than people. Here's a third lie I think that we, we believe is that everybody lives like this. And this lie makes us believe that, that being overly busy is simply a way of life in our culture and that everyone lives at a frantic pace, so we need to follow suit. And the truth is, is not everyone lives like this. We've got to move beyond the lies, but to address this issue, this issue of time, how can we make time? How many, how, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that the words of Jesus are really important? Can we all agree on that? Really important. So how can we, how can we make time for what's really important? And I wanted to look to a, a, an illustration, a story here in Luke chapter 10 that I think can help us with this, this issue of the pressure of time and finding time. This, this story is about a lady by the name of Martha. Martha has a gift of hospitality, which is great. And uh, as a result of her gift of hospitality, she invites Jesus and all of his friends to her, to her house for lunch, for dinner. Um, and in the midst of that, she gets a little frantic because the to-do list is long. There's pressure that's happening in the kitchen. Um, and she invites Jesus into her problem. And so let me just read this story, just a couple of verses this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what's better and it will not be taken from her. So here's Martha 
in this time crunch, dealing with the pressure, dealing with her to-do list, she invites Jesus into the situation, thinking that Jesus is going to like bring correction to Mary, when actually he brings correction to her. And basically, this is what Jesus says to Mary. Mary, the most important thing right now is about relationship. Not about the busy things in the kitchen. And Mary, Mary has chosen that, which is better. So from this story, let me give you just three principles I think that can help you if you're challenged like myself. This is a big issue for me, I'll tell you. My schedule's always full. Always full. It's too full. How can we deal with that so that we have time to see the neighbor next door, to respond to the neighbor next door? Because again, oftentimes, I think we're not living out the words of Jesus because we feel like we just don't have time. The three principles from this illustration here in Luke 10. The first is this, make the main thing the main thing. The main thing the main thing. This means taking time to reflect on what's most important in your life and then scheduling your life around those, around those things. So be intentional about planning your life around the priorities you identify. So you identify the priorities. What are the priorities? And I believe that living the words of Jesus should be somewhere on that priority list. Again, if we're his followers, then this has to be significant. So we identify the priorities in our life, and then we build everything else around it. It's kind of like the illustration of, of three buckets, a bucket of, of, of chunk-sized rocks, a bucket of sand, and a bucket of water, and you're going to try to get all three of these buckets into one bucket. How do you do that? Well, you start with the big rocks first, right? You've seen that illustration. And then you pour in the sand. The sand kind of settles down around the rocks. Then you pour in the water. But if you put the big rocks in first, then it's like everything else begins to fit. What doesn't fit kind of falls off to the side. I challenge you, the first thing is this, keep the main thing the main thing. So let me ask you this morning, is it important that we live out the words of Jesus? Should that be a priority in our lives? If so, then build it into your schedule. Here's a second thing that I think can help us with this, this time barrier is to eliminate the time stealers. Things that steal our time. You know, there's things like watching TV. Nothing wrong with watching TV. I watched some good football games yesterday. <laughs> Nothing wrong with um, surfing the web. Nothing wrong with playing video games. There, listen, there's nothing wrong with those things, but really at the end of the day, they're useless. They, they really don't carry value. But they can be time stealers. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. You sit down to check something out on the Internet, and you look up at the clock sometime later, and you've just lost two hours. Anyone had that experience besides me? Like, where did the time go? We're not careful. There's these things in our lives that steal our time. Therefore, we're not able to do the things that are most significant. That we haven't addressed what are the times what are the things that's that's robbing you of what would be significant and value valuable here's a third principle for Martha's story uh, is be interruptible be interruptible I think the challenge for Martha is she wasn't interruptible I mean she had her to-do list she had all of the things that had to be done in the kitchen Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus and one of the things I've come to discover is that being a good neighbor is seldom convenient to your schedule. What do I mean by that? It means this. It means that the opportunity to serve your neighbor happens usually in the midst of the schedule of what you already have to do. 
So be interruptible. And to see the interruption as an opportunity. An opportunity to what? To express the love of Jesus. An opportunity actually to live out the very thing that Jesus has called us to do and be. So always remember, listen, there's seldom a convenient time to love our neighbor, but it's always the right time. Always the right time. So make a commitment to move beyond the time barrier, because I know for some of you that's a real issue. For me, it's an issue. So, so, so I have to find time. I have to be willing to be interrupted in the midst of my rush to do something to seize the opportunity, to see and seize the opportunity to be a good neighbor. So the first challenge I think we got to move beyond to live this out is we got to deal with this issue of time in our lives. We, we have to be willing to make time. The, the second obstacle that can keep us from living out the words of Jesus is what I call the fear factor. We can allow fear to keep us from reaching out and taking the first step of engaging our neighbor. Maybe it's the fear of rejection, the fear of the unknown. In these days, it's, it's suspicious. To, it's easy to be suspicious of people that you don't know. Maybe there's a man who lives on your block in your neighborhood, and for some reason you've always felt a bit uncomfortable when you see him. You can't identify why, but there's that bit of fear that could keep you from maybe engaging in a conversation. Maybe there's kids in your neighborhood who are about to same age as your kids, but you know that their parents don't have the same values that you have. So every time your kids have to go play with their kids, there's a bit of fear, fear of what could happen, fear of, of, of how how your your children might be influenced. Or, or maybe there's a house on your block where nobody ever seems to be home. It's not abandoned. It's just like no one's ever there. And you wonder, what's, like, what's wrong with those people? Or maybe, maybe there's some, what I call high maintenance people in your neighborhood who, like, their lives are always full of drama. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to get involved in that. That's reality, right? Now, I, I do believe we should be cautious. I'm not saying don't be cautious. You should use wisdom. We should be wise. But what we don't want is we, we don't want fear to so paralyze us, so, um, so restrict us, or to become a lid that keeps us from, from reaching out to engage, that keeps us from taking the first step. The fear of the unknown and fear of rejection can keep people from hiding in the safety of their home. And that's the opposite of what the Scripture calls us to. matter of fact, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God's not given us a spirit of timidity, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of power and of love and of self-discipline. Not of fear, but of love. We're living out love. There's a story, I think, that illustrates for us the danger of fear. It's in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13. Let me just quickly summarize this story for you. And then I want to draw, again, a couple principles as to how we can address this issue of fear and the danger of fear. The story is about Moses and the children of Israel. Numbers 13, they're on the edge of the promised land the first time. There's, there's this land before them that's abundant, that's plentiful. It's the land that God wants to give them. It's their inheritance. All they have to do is go in and take the land. If you're familiar with the story, they send in 12 spies for 40 days of reconnaissance. The spies come back after the 40 days and they say, wow, the land is good. 
Man, it is flowing with milk and honey. The, the fruit is abundant. But 10 of the 12 spies, the, the scripture tells us, brings back a negative report. The land's good, but there's giants in the land. There's fortified cities in the land. The land's great, but we could never take it. We could never go in and inherit the land that God has for us. The scripture says as a result of the negative report of the ten spies, that fear spread throughout the community. Fear spread like a plague. And as a result of fear, children of Israel never, that group never experienced the future that God had for them. What was the problem? The problem was fear. From that story, from that story, let me just quickly give you three dangers of fear. And what happens, what happened to the children of Israel because of fear? And what happens often for us when we allow fear to rule in our lives concerning our neighborhood, concerning our neighbor next door? The, the, The first danger of fear is this. Fear distorts our perspective. Fear makes us think the worst and believe the worst. So rather than believing for the best, we believe the worst. The problem is fear. Fear distorts our perspective. And we see that in the story with the children of Israel. Numbers 13, I think it's verse 31, 32. The ten spies said, man, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. I mean, we're so small and the giants, they're so big. We're so limited. They have, they have all of this artillery. We could never take them on. It was a problem with fear. Fear distorted their perspective. Fear caused them to believe the worst, not the best. And the same thing happens in the neighborhood. If we're afraid that someone might reject us, or if we're afraid of the unknown, it distorts our perspective. Before we know it, we've made the neighbor into an enemy when you've never had a chance to meet them. Like Kurt said earlier, he passed the guy hundred, hundreds of times, but found out they had a lot of things in common. Why? He stopped to have a conversation. And the first is fear. Fear will distort your perspective. The second, is, second danger of fear is fear paralyzes us. And the children of Israel, they couldn't move. They wouldn't move. Because God had this great land before them. And again, it was theirs. But they were paralyzed. And I think fear does that to us. It paralyzes us. We know we should engage the neighbor next door. We know we should take the first step. We know we should move to action. But we get paralyzed because there's this fear, the fear of what might happen. The fear of, well, I don't know if they'll like me or not. Fear of what we might discover. And so we get paralyzed. So rather than moving to action, fear paralyzes us. Here's the third thing. The third danger of fear is that fear causes us to retreat to safety. So we retreat to the safety of our homes. We close the door, we lock the door, and we pull the shutters down. We retreat. That's what the children of Israel did. If you look to the story, Numbers chapter 14, the scripture says that the children of Israel, because of fear, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron, they rebelled against God, and they said, hey, let's retreat back to Egypt. Let's retreat back to, to a safe place. At least we know uh, what's going to happen. We're going to be slaves, but you know, that, you know, that's better than dying, right? Let's retreat back to a place of safety. And oftentimes when there's fear, that's what we do. We retreat to the safe place of our home. Rather, rather than embracing the risk. Is it risky? Yeah, there's some risk. But listen, following Jesus is not safe. 
If you believe that, well, just following Jesus is well, that's the safest place. No, it's not. So Jesus is always calling you out of your comfort zone and your comfort place. Right? Following Jesus, friends, isn't safe. It means what? We embrace risk. We, we see the opportunity and we step into the opportunity. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus Christ and we're living out His directive to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have to move beyond the fear, but to see and to seize the opportunity to be good neighbors. Because we all have neighbors. How many of you have neighbors? We all have neighbors. Because we all have neighbors, listen, every day... Consistently, we have the opportunity to live out the words of Jesus, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But to do that, well, we've got to move beyond the time barrier. Make the main thing the main thing. Keep, keep your priorities, folks. To live out the words of Jesus. Be willing to be interrupted. And to see it not as a problem, but as the opportunity that Jesus is bringing for you in that moment, in that day. To move beyond the, the fear factor. We're stepping into the opportunity. Who knows what might happen? Simply as we take the words of Jesus and live them out. Several years ago, when my wife and I were still on the farm, our neighbors to our left uh, were good people, really nice folks. But they didn't have time for God. Their lives were too hectic. Pace of life, schedule. So they believed in God, but they just really didn't have an interest in the things of God. And so I just tried to be a good neighbor. Over several years, I helped the man with several projects. We shared tools back and forth. Um, as I would have things in the garden, I would take them vegetables from the garden. Just trying to be a good neighbor. You know, I never pushed my faith on them. I didn't like stick scriptures in their mailbox. Um, I, I didn't do any of that. I, I, I just tried to be a good neighbor. See the opportunity, seize the opportunity as it would come along. And as time played out, this couple had a crisis in their marriage. Guess who the first person was that they called? I remember the very place I was at when I got the call. I was in Arkansas. It was about this time of year. I was sitting on my parents' front porch when this man called, grown man crying, because his marriage was um, in a difficult place. Talked with him, prayed with him. I said, I'll be back in about five days. When I get back, I, I would like to meet with you and your wife. And I did. Had an opportunity to pray with him again, to give them some biblical counsel. And, and that crisis was a turning point. It was a defining point for that man's life. All I was doing was just being a good neighbor. And then God opened this door of opportunity. Out of neighboring. So who knows? Who knows what God might do in your life or through your life to help someone, to serve someone, to impact their lives. Simply as we, again, take this command of Jesus. Not difficult to understand, folks, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Who knows what God might do in and through your life? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for your love that has 
impacted our lives. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning that we would identify your love. God has changed who we are. So we thank you for your love this morning. And Lord, now you've called us to live out your love in the neighborhood to those closest to us in proximity. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us. Because, Lord, again, everyone knew before they ever got here today that they're supposed to love their neighbors. So this is not like new information. But, Lord, whatever it would be that would that has kept us from living that out. Lord, if it's the issue of time, Lord, may we, may we see relationships as more valuable than the things of life, the stuff of life. And may it be a priority to serve our neighbor, to reach out to our neighbor, to take the first step. May we be willing to be interrupted in the midst of a busy day simply to live out your love. But I know a lot of folks here, like myself, God, life's really busy. May we not allow busyness to keep us from reaching out to a neighbor. Maybe there's an issue of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of rejection. Fear of what might happen. May fear not paralyze us. May fear not cause us to retreat to the safety of our home. Closing the door. When there's people right in the proximity of where we live who really need to experience you, Jesus, through our lives. The Holy Spirit, help us. We all have neighbors. We come from different places. We have different backgrounds. We have different jobs that take us to different places. But Lord, what we all have in common this morning is we all have neighbors. So Holy Spirit, help us. Help, Help us to live out your love, to move beyond this this time issue, to move beyond the fear issue, or or any other obstacle. Lord, may those in our neighborhood see you through our lives, through our actions. And again, Holy Spirit, I pray, help us live it out. May we not just hear the word. Holy Spirit, help us to be doers of the word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.